Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And today I'm talking with Emily. Emily's the mother of four humans, as she puts it, her four children. So although sugar was part of her childhood, she's now a model for her own four children of a mother who not only eats well, but feels well all round. Here's her inspiring story. Oh, so Emily, lovely to see you. And can you tell me a little bit about what your life was like when you were still eating sugar? Yes, I'd be glad to. Um, you know, <sighs> this is when I was still eating sugar. Aren't we just raised on it from the time we're little, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the treat. It's the uh, candy jar. My aunts and my grandma, you know, they, they had, it was the thing. You had a candy jar in your living room, right? And that was part of how you experienced love and how you shared love. And I remember sitting in church. <laughs> Hi, Aunt Luann. Oh my goodness. I love her. She's wonderful. <laughs> She's passed, but she has, um, she was just a wonderful influence in my life. And she would uh, give me a kiss. I, I would give her a kiss. I would get a candy. <laughs> oh my God. And this was your aunt? Yes. Oh, that's so sweet. No pun intended, but that's very sweet. <laughs> well, it was. She just wanted a kiss. And I probably would have given her a kiss anyways. But <clears throat> she kept it in her purse. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I think, I think obviously that we associate, that was when I was pretty darn little, you know, um, associate feelings and comfort and warmth with um, the, the physical form of candy or sugar and really have no idea. And so, you know, I think that that starts so, so early. Um, I had given it up a couple of times during my life and had felt really good. I don't know. It wasn't until recently that I felt that I really actually don't want it to come back. I, I don't have a desire for it to come back. That's been new, but I definitely had a couple of seasons where I would be on different health kicks. I'm 50. I have been as much as 300 pounds in my life. I'm around 150 right now. And so I've ran a whole gamut of sizes and relationships with food and unhealthy habits of eating and disordered eatings. And so I'm not sure that I have met anybody that has walked that journey that sugar has not been a component or some kind of a food addiction or sugar addiction has not been part of that. I, I, don't, I don't know of it. If there is, if there is a story like that, I have not heard it. <laughs> and so, you know, throughout my efforts throughout these decades, I definitely had uh, periods of time where I would do like a whole food or I do maybe an Atkins and, um, but I just don't know that I ever, I always thought that sugar would still be part of the picture for me. It really wasn't until the last couple of years that I started considering maybe that's, I'm done with that. Maybe that's just not something that, that for me is going to come back. 
So um, that's been foundational. Um, and it my, my most recent journey up and down the scales has been wonderful. It's been four years. I discovered intermittent fasting. Um, and I think what happened is through my experience with fasting, because you would learn how to go for such long periods of time, um, without food or not soup, you know, sometimes I would do longer ones, shorter ones. It just helped you get your head straight about food and it helped you understand which foods were really the best for your body. It just, it was a listening period. Fasting is listening. It's like a deep, deep listening. And so, um, I think that once I kind of started on that journey that opened up my sensitivity more to how sugar has made me feel. And so you could say that in my fasting journey, I gave up sugar because obviously anytime I was fasting, I wasn't eating it. <laughs> and then I learned over the years in the intermittent fasting lifestyle that I, my fasts were easy and I felt better, the less processed food I ate, the more I stuck to whole real foods, my fasts were easier, my mind was clearer, and I didn't get back into binging. The trigger that would get me back into binging was absolutely a, a macro combination of sugar and fat together, sweet and fat mixed together. And that this is only true. found, I think that, that mix is only found in processed products not in nature. For the most part, not as much, a little bit, you know, nuts a little bit. And uh, sometimes I can have an issue with nuts. And I used to have an issue with nuts and they're out of my life right now because of that. But even, even with the nuts, I would have, I would say nuts and would add sweetener to it to even, you know, when I was in my behavior that I don't like behavior that was out of control behavior, that was too much. So absolutely. Those became evident that those were, um, trigger foods. And as I decided to eat more on the keto spectrum, it was um, the keto treats that I still did not have correct satiety and um, a good control when it came to things that combined the sweets and the fats like that. So absolutely keto processed food. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They have. Yes. I've found that as well. Cause when I cut sugar, it was way before keto was a thing. Yes. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden I saw these products and the fat bombs and the keto sweets. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Are we just turning around a full circle and just replacing sort of the shakes and the bars of the diet interest industry with all these processed products of the keto industry. And what you found was I that those, those very products, I can't even just, you know, give them the name food, but those very products are the ones that would also trigger that type of behavior for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you are um, in a, Fast, you have to be mindful of your hormones and your hunger and satiety hormones. And so you can have a period when you're in your feasting period that sometimes those hormones can um, kind of almost force you to go back into a binge behavior if you haven't managed your nutrition correctly as you go back to eating the normal, you know, normal intervals or whatnot. And so I think that that was really crucial as well that, you know, you're pretty susceptible. If you've gone through this period, you've taken this rest, you've taken this listening time in your body, you need the absolute best nutrition as you're stepping back into normal, you know, eating. So that was huge experience as well. Just realizing I'm even more vulnerable in those fats that that, that would be the worst time to like bring back processed food or sugar. Like, no, that you just need real nutrient dense food. That's the way to do that. 
And how did you learn what real nutrient dense food even was? Like that term, you know, a few years ago, I wouldn't have understood a word of what you just said. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I mean, podcast after podcast after podcast, I suppose, book after book after book. Um, I, I, it helped me to really understand about macronutrients and to understand that, that you know, for me, where I'm at currently is that the protein and fat macros are the macros that are really in the wheelhouse of where I need to be with, with the correct nutrition. Um, so, but yeah, just a lot of resources that I've read, Dr. Fung's book, um, he talks a lot about it, the complete guide to fasting. So, and certainly a lot of other people's experiences. I have been one that has been really active in Facebook communities and I'm very curious. Uh, and so I would really pay attention when people that I could see had been in this lifestyle for a long time and were maintaining that was always stood out to me and would sort of you know take intense notes on how they were going about that absolutely yeah so and it, I realized yeah we're, we all kind of come to the same not same conclusions similar conclusions you know in your grocery store you stick to the outside don't go inside if it has preservatives that's a no, you know, so you kind of, kind of figure out that the commonalities of people who really feel great in their bodies and have risen above the, um, the binging cycles and the compulsive eating cycles and have, are getting some relief from it. It's not even rising, rising above it's, you know, they're, they've figured out the tools that they need. It's not, this is not a moral issue at all. This is a, a tool issue. This is hitting the right tool and setting yourself up with the right tool, making sure that your refrigerator and your pantry is stocked with the right tools, taking that little minute to think ahead about, you know, what that next food is going to be like. And so some, sometimes it's just a little bit of planning ahead to keep you on the right track in a healthy relationship with food. Fantastic. Fantastic. And mm -hmm. do you find now looking back that when you were a child, all this information was just off the radar. Nobody ever taught you about real food. They taught you to, you know, candy and a kiss go together, yes. <laughs> but nothing or very little about real food. It's so true. It's just, um, you know what they say that a lot more is caught than taught, um, which is hopefully uh, an encouragement. I'm, I am right now raising four humans. And so I hope that they're catching some good things, you know, from being around, but no, it, it wasn't a discussion. And so I just recently was talking to my son. He's 18 so he knows everything but I was uh, just telling him a little bit about this this hormone component the ghrelin and the leptin and the satiety and he's like mom I already know I've heard you talk about this and I was like okay part of me is like oh shoot I'm overdoing it but then part of me is like well this is cool that he he's going to be entering his adult life with some basic knowledge here so I'm yes. pretty excited Totally. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And it, are you in charge of the grocery budget? In other words, are you in charge of what food comes into the house? Yeah, my husband's in agreement with me. And so we both do the shopping. We both do the meals. We're trying to get the kids. Actually, my son is in a little, little transition point right now. So he's becoming dinner person right now. <laughs> so that's great. He made a turkey burgers for us last night. And he made meatballs the night before. And so he's, you know, so I'm, I'm really making sure that we shift that around so that the children do not enter the world, not having any skills with that. And there's a lot of tools and tricks and gadgets and things that, you know, we, we use with that as well. Um, but yeah, our groceries have changed. We went, uh, 
We went keto probably three years ago, and then we've kind of leaned more towards a, a meat-based diet in the last year or so. Um, and absolutely, we watch the meat sales and we have vegetable lovers in the house. That's fine. We get all the vegetables for them, a little bit of fruit for them. And then, you know, mom just skips out on that part, no problem. And, you know, it, it works out really well. It's very complimentary. So I just want to take a quick pause right now because Emily said something that's really important and that may be quite controversial, which is that she turned towards a more meat-based diet, which for her makes her feel fantastic. Now, I realize that, of course, we're all different. Not everybody feels great on a meat-based diet and not everybody feels great on a plant-based diet. So finding what makes you feel great, from what I can tell, is the key. And the common denominator, again, from what I can tell, is ditching sugar and processed foods and concentrating on real whole foods. So even with the dietary guidelines over the past few decades and even today that recommend for us to choose a diet low in fat, low in saturated fat, low in cholesterol and with plenty of vegetables and fruits and grain products, for someone like Emily, it's not what makes her feel great. And it was the same for me. I tried and tried to follow those guidelines and I did everything I was supposed to do and I just felt sick, tired, overweight and basically not good. But then when I found the way of eating that suits me, which includes, like Emily, whole foods, plenty of animal-based proteins, and yes, vegetables and some fruit, and fermented foods and drinks with a minimum of processed products, well, this makes me feel great. So although I'm not a nutritionist or some kind of government body, my recommendation is eat what makes you feel great. And if you want more of my, air quotes, recommendations, head on over to my website, aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab, what to eat, to see my videos about what whole foods are and how to find foods in the grocery store that don't have added sugars and also all about fermented foods and drinks and how they help your gut health and how sugar is one of the worst things for your gut health. You can also download your simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar. That's aftersugarclub.com. You can also get lots of tips on my Facebook page, Life After Sugar, as well as on my Instagram account at mylifeaftersugar. That's where I post pictures of what I eat, things that I do, you know, Instagram stuff to show you that it's perfectly possible to live a full and active and fun life without sugar. And you can find some more recipes and tips on my YouTube channel. That's on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that too. All right, let's get back to my chat with Emily. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That, you know, such a wonderful education to give your kids a great start in life. You know, and better late than never. In, the, in other words, you didn't have it as a child, but now you can give it to your children. What more can, yes. can a mother want? 
That's right. Yes. Hoping, hoping, hope, hoping that, that a law is caught and taught. We're doing both. <laughs> we're tempting to do both. <laughs> and, yeah. and did you, you know, when you first started fasting, I just want to sort of backtrack a bit around yes. how old were you when you actually sure. discovered fasting? Absolutely. It was, I'm uh, just past my four year fasting anniversary. So it was fall of 2017 and I had had an injury um, where my exercise had come to a screeching halt. Um, I had torn a meniscus and I was very much considering a gastric sleeve surgery. I had a lot of friends that had a lot of success with that. And I was kind of looking at that because I was in around the 300 pound mark as a, you know, I would have been 46, um, 5'8". That was a lot of extra mass on my body. Um, and so that was kind of my point that I uh, decided to learn about fasting and get into fasting. And then fasting ended up being the gateway back to nutrition. I'd had a couple of seasons of life earlier in my twenties and in my thirties, where I would consider that I had high nutrition, but I didn't really understand about like the addictive nature of the carbs and the sugars and everything. And so I, I was never really able to hang on to like a lasting success because I never really got that energy balance figured out. Um, and I think like once the baby started coming in my thirties, then it, it got pretty serious and pretty severe. Um, so yeah, I've been in it about four years and um, I couldn't be happier. It's something I do every day of my life and I will do every day. Oh, every day, every fast while they sleep. <laughs> but it's, do, you, do you feel like you're on a diet? No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> What's the difference no. in your feeling or how you approach things between, because I'm guessing you, you did a few different types of diets in your life. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. And so you're nodding. So, so what's the difference between how, not how you felt, how you approached life, how you lived your life on a diet compared to now with fasting and a meat-based diet? Mm -hmm. um, a diet, oh, it was so confusing because you kind of had to plan out ahead of time, like write out like a, like a meal plan. <laughs> you know? Things are just like, ew, <laughs> I don't want a meal plan. <laughs> I do a little bit because I have to, you know, with the family, we have to think ahead a little bit. Um, and honestly, meal planning is so simple when you're getting fresh foods because you keep your refrigerator stocked with, you know, the meat that you like, the vegetables you like, fruit, if you eat fruit, you know, whatever it is, you just kind of keep yourself stocked and then you've always got something to pull from. Um, so that's a huge tool that I use now, I suppose instead of meal planning, I just go buy it. You know, every time I'm at Costco, I, I buy a chicken. There's always chicken in our, in our fridge for someone to snack on or me if I want. I don't really like it that much, but it's there if I want it. Every time the steaks are on sale, I load up my freezer with steaks. And so there always are steaks that I bought at an awesome price. Um, so it's kind of, um, it's more peaceful. It's more like I just instead of writing out day by day and like little annoying details every day, what I'm going to do, I have like a more holistic. It's like, no, this is what my life looks like. This is my overall life nutrition. These foods nourish our family. These foods nourish me. And so I don't have this mind game of, um, am I good? Am I bad? Oh, that was a bad choice. Is this a good, no, the only choice for me, honestly, right now is, is healthy. And that, that's what I want. I, I don't really want anything outside of that. I can be around it. I can appreciate it. I remember it. I can talk shop all the moms that 
homeschool co-op, we're all reminiscing about our favorite cereals. You know, I could rip open and shred every one of those cereals that was mentioned. And I could just say what is horrible about everyone. No, I don't need to do that. I can go back and remember, oh yeah, you know, and just have fun with it. But just for me personally, being off the roller coaster is um, worth everything. And I just have no desire to go back to that roller coaster. So it was a daily minutia of of evaluating whether I was good or bad that day. And that's over. <laughs> yeah, what a there, there's no such thing. What a yeah. big relief. Yes, I totally mm -hmm. get that. And like everything that um, I imagine you'd been led to believe about a varied diet, everything in moderation, you know, what treats are. Like, did you get any sort of like mind blown kind of, you know, reaction that, what you were experiencing now was completely the opposite of what you'd been led to believe before. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think it is hard to understand because we are sort of conditioned that it's like maybe rude to pass up on a treat. And so I would say that it has become so much of my identity and I, I'm just very peaceful in my demeanor and in my life. And I just feel so good all the time that I, I can have, people can be having all this around me and I can enjoy every bit of their company without partaking in that. Um, and so I think that because I'm in so much peace and I'm so happy with myself and my choices that I, I don't think there's much that can be said about that in a in a negative thing. And I, I don't even necessarily think people can have their feelings hurt or people, you know, because it's just, you're just seeing this person that's just so happy and is, is living this life that they love. And they are like, well, I, I could eat that. It'll probably make me feel bad. And tomorrow I might kind of be sluggish and I might have a headache and like, I, I don't want to feel bad. So no, it's just not for me. So it's, it's a really peaceful spot right now. That's fantastic. And especially as a mother, you know, we mothers tend to yes. put our well-being pretty low down on the list of priorities. Yes. And, and, you know, to put your well-being first without feeling selfish is like mm -hmm. superhuman for mm -hmm. most of us. You know, it's been such a great journey and um, the different ages have wonderful phases right now with my having a lot of teenagers. I loop them in on the other parts of my exercise and health plan, which is the exercise. And so that's kind of how I've chosen to bond with them. Like I have one of my daughters kind of likes to run. So we ran a little bit together and one of my daughters likes to lift weights. So we lift weights together. And so I found, um, my self-care is very family oriented <laughs> and as much as possible, it's let's go hiking, roller skating. My girls love to roller skate. And so I can kind of count that in my fitness. It feels so good because you do like when you're done using sugar as your way to feel happy all the time, you do kind of have to be like, well, what are the things that make me happy? <laughs> you know, you do kind of have to think through like, what are the true pleasures in life? Um, not that that wasn't pleasurable temporarily it just wasn't worth it overall so yeah. I, I I find so much more joy in um shared activities That's and wonderful. so I, it's a way that I put myself first and I try to loop them in as much as I possibly can just try to involve them in the different ways that I am finding to enjoy life and to bring wonderful experiences to my life as much as I possibly can amazing and they've got this model of a happy mother, mm -hmm. which is in yeah. itself yet, yet another wonderful thing for them to grow up with. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. do you find that people, you know, because eating is a, a pretty social event, right? A little bit less so since COVID, but still, still. Mm-hmm. Do you find that in in sort of social situations that people judge or remark on what you eat or what you mm-hmm. don't eat? I used to think so. Um, I used to think about that a lot. Um, and I think that recently that fear has left. And um, so why my preparation, what I, what I do right now, what I did last week is I have like some really great grass fed little jerky things. And they're just like little meat sticks. And I'll have like, I'll just nibble on that a little bit. And people don't really don't even notice if you're just hanging out nibbling on something, it's no big deal. Of course, if I'm not hungry at all, there's no eating. Um, almost always a drink in my hand. I almost always have <laughs> water so <laughs> it's not that kind of thing no. <laughs> Almost <Okay. right> <laughs> um, so um i i will oftentimes just be sipping something if i've got something maybe a sparkling water or you know sometimes coffee or tea i go back and forth with whether i enjoy that or not um but lots of times it's just just having a, gla- a glass of water is just perfectly fine in a socially environment when you're visiting and i actually enjoy not having the food as a distraction i feel like i can focus on the conversation a little bit more if I'm just sipping on a sparkling water or something like I it feels better to me and more fun and more socially connected to not be having the food so yeah because we do tend to get sort of comments that are from people saying you don't eat sugar that must be so boring where's the fun in your life you know and then for me I'm like well do I look like I'm boring (laughs) or like I'm bored I know it's hard to argue with um, someone that's feeling really great. You know, like there's just not a lot to be said. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, some people do manage to have this back and forth, sort of all these arguments and, and discussions and pointing to different studies and this, you know, scientific study and that one. And that's, you know, I've seen in groups, especially keto groups, how people back and forth and it's not a real dialogue. No one's listening to anyone. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Are we ever, aren't we just kind of getting our own? (laughs) Isn't that unique to actually just sit and listen and take it in? I feel like I can listen a lot better when I'm not distracted by the sweets or the food. And I, I feel like just enjoying those moments, enjoying the presence, like it is my treat. It is my feast. And I'm fully able to just enjoy my company. And it's almost fun. Sometimes, you know, the silence on my plate, right? If, if they're having cake, there's not going to be anything on my plate. And sometimes that silence itself could just be a fun experience. <laughs> I totally get that totally Mm -hmm. yeah and it's not Mm -hmm. a question of self-control or denying yourself yeah no Mm -mm. amazing yeah and it's it's like you've discovered this whole new world which I totally get because so have I um but it was in your 40s which is also my experience it's sort of as if we had to go through the 20s and the 30s to get to a place in our 40s where we're also ready to listen to Mm. another way of being not just eating but being 
that makes sense. That makes sense. You're coming into your own a lot more, um, less and less based on, you know, what your social group expects of you and more of what you expect of yourself, what you want for yourself, what you desire for your life, who you want to be. And I'm a better person when I eat this way. I like myself more. I treat people around me better. I feel better. I'm not on emotional roller coaster. I'm not caught in all this shame and guilt and, oh, I overdid it again and striving. There's no striving. It's just very peaceful, peaceful road and peaceful time. So yeah, you're right. If it took us until our forties to figure that out, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still have a long and healthy and happy life in front of us. So it's all good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Emily. It's lovely to talk to you. Very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a wonderful journey. Thank mm-hmm. you. What a wonderful chat with Emily. Thank you, Emily. And thank you also for showing that there's a whole range of what makes us feel good in terms of food, yes, but also in terms of our relationship with the food that we eat and by association with ourselves. And I can't stress this enough that in Life After Sugar, it's an all-inclusive approach. In other words, there's not just one way to eat and to live that makes everybody feel good in the exact same way. And quite honestly, what annoys me about a lot of dietary approaches is that they kind of make me feel like somebody's trying to put me in a box of what's good for me without first checking with me and that feels like it kind of takes away my personal power to find out what actually is good for me. So for Emily, a meat-based diet is good for her and for other people I know, that is the worst thing for them. They feel awful with animal products. So a more plant-based diet is good for them and what good is it telling people that one is better than the other when it's not so much about the food but about us as individuals being able to find out what's the best for us. And yes, it may take some time and tweaking and trial and error to find what's good for us but at the end of the day, don't you feel that you have more personal power when you're in charge and you're choosing? I get that it can sometimes feel confusing or overwhelming to be put in that position where we are choosing and not being told what's good for us. But that's what the After Sugar Club is there for, to give you that guidance and that support for you to be able to make your own decisions, your own choices, and to reduce the overwhelm and the confusion so that you feel confident in your own choices. Come check out the club at aftersugarclub.com forward slash club. You can join any time. The After Sugar Club is always open. And if you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping you reduce sugar or continue to live your sugar-free life, then please rate the podcast and scroll down and write a review to tell me how it's helping you. And don't forget to subscribe so that the podcast magically appears every Sunday in your podcast player. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.